Welcome to Fashion Designers Get Paid, a podcast for burnt out fashion designers who want to ditch the toxic rat race, say bye-bye to backstabbing bosses, and work with brands who value and respect them. I'm your host, Heidi, and I believe that you can do things differently in your fashion career. Because the truth is, most industry jobs will underpay and overwork you, and having your own brand is far from profitable. Let's also be honest, most of them fail. So if you actually want to, well, be a fashion designer and get paid, the best way to do it is as a freelancer. Now, maybe you've been told that brands don't accept remote freelancers or that freelancing means being an exploited temp employee working full-time without benefits. Or to work freelance, you have to be a rock star expert with all the skills from design through development. I'm going to show you that it is possible to be a real freelancer in fashion, work remotely with brands you love, and make money, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers. You got this, and I'm here to help you do it. In this episode, I'm chatting with Masha Karushik, a freelance textile designer for the home fashions industry and one of my fast students. Masha kickstarted her freelance career a year ago, and in that time, her entire life has changed. She only works 26 hours a week, but she is making more money than when she worked full-time in-house. Even better, for the first time ever, she's working out and exercising regularly. She says that her mental and physical health has improved now that she has, and I quote, reclaimed her life. During our conversation, Masha and I talk about how she set and recently raised her rates, how she's been getting clients, including projects with brands like Anthropology, and what she's done in sticky situations like getting asked to knock off someone else's work. At the end of the interview, Masha told me that she's still shocked by her new life as a freelancer because she never thought this was actually possible. Masha and I also talked about how she wanted to take Fridays off, but she was scared to ask her clients. Well, quick spoiler alert, a few weeks after we recorded, Masha emailed me to tell me that she told her clients she was taking Fridays off and her clients were, quote, stoked for her. She told me that this blew her mind. Masha showed me the email that she sent to her clients and I immediately knew why they were stoked for her. It's because she positioned taking Fridays off as a benefit to her clients. So here's what I did. I asked for Masha's permission to share the email with you because I think it's an amazing learning opportunity. Here's exactly what she wrote to her clients verbatim. Hello team. And then she put the brand name in there. There's been a slight change to my schedule. Starting August 4th, I will no longer provide services on Fridays in order to set more time for improving my skills and workflow to then in turn provide you with better designs. I also plan to start offering super exclusive artwork tailored to the home industry and current trends, including beach jacquard designs for sale online, hopefully by the end of the year. Rest assured that you as my client are on the top of my priority list, and I will keep accommodating your inquiries to the best of my abilities with no change to our previous arrangements. I will still be answering emails, so in case you happen to get an emergency project that is due on a Monday, you can still reach out to me on a Friday, and I will let you know if I can accommodate over the weekend. Thank you for your continuous trust and understanding. Happy Friday and enjoy the weekend. That was the email that Masha sent. And the line that made them feel, made her clients feel most stoked was this. I will no longer provide services on Fridays in order to set more time for improving my skills and workflow and then in turn provide you with better designs. She's showing them that by taking Fridays off, she's going to do personal development, which will ultimately benefit her clients. 
This is the magic in Masha's email. Masha, I am so stoked for you. Congratulations on taking the leap, setting boundaries and creating the life that you want. If you have been thinking about freelancing but are scared to jump in or you wanna raise your rates or are looking for some inspiration to cut your hours or take Fridays off, you're going to love this conversation. Let's get to it. Hey, real quick, before we jump into the episode, if you're sick of being tied to a desk and want more freedom in your day, I want to help you. Snag my free limited time training, How to Freelance in Fashion, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers, to learn my five-step freelancing framework so you can work for yourself in fashion and get paid. Get instant access at sohidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now let's get started. Masha, welcome to the podcast. Um, can you please start out by introducing yourself to everybody and letting us know who you are and what you do in fashion? Yeah, so my name is Masha and I my business name is Studio Sikla. I do freelance textile design uh, and print design for the home fashion industry. Yeah. So bedding, um, towels, shower curtains, uh, bedding and bath mostly. Okay. And I mostly work with uh, big manufacturers who pitch and sell uh, through brands uh, in major retailers like Costco, Walmart, Target, all those. So okay, gotcha. I'm kind of like, I designed the original artwork that goes on the end product. Okay. So it's a manufacturer though. It's not a print house. Like explain how this actually, am I right? Yeah. Explain yeah. how this works. Yeah. So manufacturers, they source from different factories. So they, they basically license with different brands that sell in big retailers uh, and they get direction every uh, season from the brands. And so then they pitch products to be sold uh, through in those brands through the major retailers. So they would pitch, for example, in Target, Target has a lot of uh, brands like uh, Hearth and Hand, for example. So okay. then uh, we would get direction from Target, what they want to see with the next collection. Okay. And this manufacturer sources from different factories, this product to be sold there. So it's kind of like, I guess the middleman, uh, you know, so they like do make the product and I'm on the design team helping them design the product. Okay. So let me just try to summarize this because this is an interesting, I haven't quite heard this exact arrangement before. So Target says we want cotton shower curtain that, and we're really seeing leopard on trend or something. I don't know. They give yeah. kind of something like that. Yeah. Then, they give like mood boards. and. Mood, yeah. Oh, wow. They do like full mood boards and stuff. Yeah, some 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 retailers are vague, but like Target usually sends us uh, full direction. Okay. New boards and everything. Yeah. Okay, and then you do the design on a freelance capacity for the repeats, the prints, right? Or maybe yeah. sometimes placed print. Yeah. Yeah, placed prints. Uh, I do towels too, so like beach okay. towels. So I do wovens as well. Okay. So I would design into an end product, which is a jacquard, for example. So right. I would uh, create the artwork that fits into the technique. Okay. And then based off the inspiration that you've gotten, which might be as much as a mood board or might be a little bit more loose. And then the manufacturer sources the towel, the shower curtain, whatever, and then works with Target directly during the whole development process, get the approvals and all that stuff. And then does the bulk production. And then it goes to Target with the hearth and hearth and home label and it's sells. Correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's a little background on how Target does that. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. So you started your freelance career. What's it been? Has it been a year about? Yeah. Thanks to you. I started my freelance career. <laughs> Let's hear about it. I know a little bit about oh the God. very, very beginning and it's a really exciting like moment at the beginning. I remember, can you like, can you share how it kickstarted last year? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, as a quick background, so I've been working with the manufacturers full-time uh, as a designer for like three years after college. Okay. And I always wanted to try freelancing, but I never really had the courage or like the resources to know what to charge or like how that goes. And then yeah. I've been following you actually for like probably four years now, even since college, like I, okay. I found you, but then I decided last summer to join your um, free freelance workshop yeah. on your Facebook live. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got some resources from, from you for like calculating the hourly rate, but then like that workshop, you really, you know, pushed me to like ask for the rate that I was uncomfortable with asking, yeah. like, you know, a bit more than I was comfortable with. And I think the timing worked out because the, uh, I was working at that time for a company uh, and it was kind of slowing down uh, at the end. So I wasn't really doing my job anymore. So I like, I was like, this is the perfect time to like jump into freelance. Okay. And through your, after like the week workshop, I, you know, I had a possible client um, who was, who was my past employer. Uh, and, you know, I was like, can, can I freelance for you guys? And she was like, totally. And when I said the rate, she was like, yeah, she just agreed to the rate right away. So I was like, mine. Okay. And this is all, I remember this going down. Like this all happened during the live event. You were like posting in Facebook, like, holy cow guys, I just landed my first client for this rate. And it's like a set number of hours. So you have like a really good base. Yeah. Yeah. I was secured for 20 hours a week. And I was like, this, this is, I can do this. Yeah. Okay. Would you be willing to share a little bit about the rates, the rate that you were going to start with yeah. and then the rate that you like actually went in with based off of what you learned during that event, that yeah. famous week event? Um, I think that was, I, I remember was the like, numbers. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I think that I was like, I need to charge 45, but then, um, I asked for a range of like, right now I charge like 60 to 75 okay. and, uh, my company was charging freelancer. I mean, the, the freelancers were charging them and it was like 45, 50. So like, I wasn't, I didn't think that like going over would be cool. Going over but. 50. That's interesting. You were able to, you knew what they were paying other freelancers. That's wild to me a little bit. Yeah. Cause I was working full time and we did work with freelancers okay. uh, sometimes. So, and since the team was very small, like I, I could, I, I knew oh, how you just much. knew. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you thought, well, I can't go over 50 because that's what we're currently paying other freelancers. Yeah. And so you were like going to go in around like 45 and then you went and in I, at. Yeah. I asked for, I think 65. Um, and I think we, yeah. And she was, she was totally cool with it. So was like, um, you just gave yourself a 50% raise yeah. like that. You could have been getting 45 instead you get 65. Like that's 20 extra dollars an hour. That's let's do the math. 20 hours a week, that's 400 more dollars a week. That's yeah, a lot was, of money. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. And I, I actually just raised my rates too. So 
Yeah. Uh, and that's like a whole other conversation. We're going to talk about that. Okay. So you kickstart your career with just pitching to your old free or old employer, just saying, Hey, can I go freelance? I mean, that's pretty lucky. I feel like that it was just so easy to get that. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely feel like privileged that I actually haven't had to cold pitch at all. Yeah. Um, and it's just, just because what happened was during the pandemic, uh, my original company, uh, people spread out after COVID because okay. uh, the company was, you know. Is it out there in New York? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, everything was in-house, like physically? Yeah. On on location. Okay. And because I was a CAD designer, I, that's what I started out as. I worked with all of the teams. So there was window team, there was a luxury team, there was like mm. a open price team. So I, as a CAD designer, I worked with everyone. So I got to know everyone. And once everyone kind of spread out after COVID to different companies, I was able to just like reach out. And since they already worked with me, uh, that's okay. kind of how, like, it, yeah, the major thing that helped me was just staying in touch with people and like awesome. doing a good job out of college. I guess. Yeah. What did you do to stay in touch with people? Cause it does really come down to like something as basic as that, but like, I'm always curious to know what exactly that looked like. Um, I mean, I was f- friends. I, I made like a lot of like close friends. So I was just, you know, hanging out with, uh, like some designers. Um, uh, but then, uh, just like texting people out of the blue, like how, how are you doing? especially during COVID since everyone's mm. going through so much stuff. So yeah. just seeing like where people landed after. Uh, so just, just touching base. It doesn't like, I, I wasn't like keeping in touch all the time, but yeah. like once in a while to just catch up. I mean, it sounds like that was something that was pretty natural for you to just like periodically reach out and just say like, Hey, how's it going? And like those little things do mean something. And some people do it naturally, right? Just that's the type of person they are staying in touch. Yeah. 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 And since uh, I guess it helped also because I was, I moved to another company with my old boss and she was staying in touch with a bunch of people. So it's like, it's crazy how the the home industry is kind of, it's, it's, there's a lot of manufacturers and companies, but everyone knows each other and everyone knows what's going on and (laughs) crazy. It's a small world, It is, especially in the city. Yeah, for sure. You're in New York. Okay. So, so you negotiated that, which gave you this amazing base to, cause, cause what happened? You, if I remember correctly, you, you were still working for one employer, then you negotiated a freelance opportunity with the pre a previous employer. Once you had that secured, then you quit your current employer job. Yep. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. I remember you like put in your two weeks during freelance week. Like you came into the group, you're like, I just quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was a wild, wild time. Yeah. It was a wild time, but you had that base. So that felt really good. So somehow got an update from you that you were like, oh yeah, I'm like doing a project with anthropology. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Talk to me about this. Um, yeah. So I was just, you know, I hit the ground running and I was like, well, so I have one client, but I need to look for more. So I just, you know, I did the open, open to work update on LinkedIn and I kind of just went through my contact list of even like people f- from college that I maybe like just are acquainted to and, you know, but we're not like best friends. So I texted uh, someone who was in anthropology. She was in uh, the fashion apparel part of it first, and then she moved to home. So she was curious, like we had a conversation long ago about she was curious about home. So I reached out to her and I was like, do you guys need 
if you guys need any help, like I'm available for freelance. And so this was through a college uh, acquaintance. Okay. You knew from college. There. Okay. Um, and yeah, probably most of the opportunities that I got so far was just like word of mouth. Cause again, like everyone knows each other and that time when everyone spread and everyone kind of like knows about me. Yeah. Uh, it helped a lot. So, But these are like, you've, first of all, you've kind of kept in touch with some of these people just in general. So it's not like they don't hear from you for three or four years. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, you're working at anthropology. You guys need any help? It's, it doesn't, it's not quite like that. No, I mean, this girl, I mean, we, we just follow each other on Instagram and sometimes like talk on Instagram. So it's like just social media friends, I guess. Yeah. But the point is that like, there's some light engagement over time. So it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. now yeah. Masha's just reaching out like to just ask for this thing, to ask for this opportunity. It's like, there's been some casual connection over the years, which it's all it really needs to be like a quick social, like commenting on someone's post because that makes them feel really good. And it's hard to get people yeah. to comment, you know? So like just little stuff. Yeah. 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 And just, uh, you know, keeping, keeping people close and you, you like, you never know where people end up and especially in college, like someone can end up being your boss someday. And like, yeah, that's what we've been taught. Like I, I had an illustration teacher and she was like, do not be an asshole to anyone. Uh, <laughs> they might be case. a boss one day. You might walk into that interview and you're like, oh, hi. Oh, this might not go well. Cause I was a total dick in college to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So you get this opportunity for anthropology via a college friend that you, but then you, and then you proactively reached out and was like, Hey, I'm freelancing. Like if you guys need any help in the home department, like I'd love to do that. And that worked. Yeah. Yeah. She connected me with the designer and I emailed my portfolio and everything and they were, they were okay. down. And you, um, did you go in with the same rate? No, it's within the range of like 60 to 75, but, uh, I, I went, I went higher. I mean, cause I, Good for you. Yeah, I, I gave I I've, I gave my first employer obviously like a, you know as a thank you like a discounted um, uh, rate. So, but and yeah, they were giving you like solid twenty hours a week. So yeah, more or less. Right now, I work on average like twenty five to thirty hours. Um. Okay. So then you are working with anthropology, and you're like, I'm just gonna go for a little more money, and you get it. Um, which is great. Where do you think you like, like wh what was going through your head during parts of this? Cause that can feel, I mean, I know some of it was like, you had the whole freelance week group behind you, like rallying or like, go for the rate, go for the rate, go for the rate. But like, then you're going uh, into anthropology, which arguably could feel kind of intimidating. It's a really big brand. How are you feeling about going in and like, do you remember what your mindset was during that? Um, I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, w I mean, I didn't have any doubts about uh, the rate, really. Okay. Um, but I just, um, the imposter syndrome was, like, uh. crippling. <laughs> just, like, with any, any, like, new thing for me, especially that big, is, like, it's intense. So I did um, end up spending more time. And this was an hourly rate. It's not, like, a fixed. Um, yeah. But uh, I think I got a bit, like, much in, in my head and... Um, I don't know it was it was it was scary <laughs> I don't know but then scary. like with with every project it, it kind of got easier uh because they started out with the I was working with existing artwork so I wasn't really creating okay. original artwork okay 
uh, and they have a very uh, specific group of artists that they go to uh, for art. So, and then, you know, they do like a lot of licensing stuff with artists as well. So I got one project that was like original art and that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so what then were you doing? Were you like just modifying it a little bit or getting it into repeat or like cleaning it up? What was your actual role? Uh, yeah. So if they send me an artwork, I would usually clean it and put it into a layout uh, for bedding, for okay. example. Yeah. Uh, and they would want different options of layouts and different colorways. So I would have yeah. to, you know, uh, most of the time, a lot of their bedding is digitally printed, so there's no mm. color limitation. Okay, right. So um, I would just have to, yeah, put it put into uh, like a layout and recolor okay. it. Okay. Is there anything that you've you did for them in the market yet? Have you looked? Mm, I don't, but okay. they, as I was told, like they the process is so you know just with any uh, in my experience, a lot of things get killed. Mm-hmm. and they just <laughs> keep it in the archive yeah uh, so maybe someday we'll... maybe in like three years you'll be like what I remember that yeah 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 sometimes I, I've done so many things that sometimes I'm like did I, did do, I that? do that <laughs> oh my gosh I bet um okay so then you're doing some stuff for the anthropology and then what else because I think around that time too you were like oh yeah and I have I have another client that I'm working with like I feel like you yeah I, I remember you telling me something else too I can't recall yeah so right now I have like two two to three solid clients and yeah I got I got you know um I reached out to another girl that I used to work with uh from the same original employer who is in another manufacturing company now okay so so I'm basically just working with two like big manufacturers okay and And both that's been enough that's been good (laughs) yeah 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 it's been super busy especially this during the summer I mean obviously people go on vacation so yeah and like what is your schedule like what does your day-to-day look like you have some flexibility it's just like as long as you get it done are you working exclusively at home are the are both the manufacturers in New York what does that all look like yeah they're both in New York um I maybe once in a month or once in two months I go in the office for one of them oh very Uh, infrequent yeah I try to not (laughs) freelancer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's be blunt here <laughs> yeah yeah um my day-to-day yeah so I usually get about three to four projects during the week and they you know give me a deadline by which I need to do that so for example I would get like uh three sheet designs uh due in the week or like three designs for quilts uh, or you know. then I would just uh work throughout the week until the deadline and yeah, I mean, I don't have really set hours. I kind of want to try to change that. Uh, but I, I just, it's a, it's hourly and I, um, yes, about 25 to 26 hours a week, uh, just getting their projects done. Yeah. Which is a nice, comfortable workload. I mean, it's not 40 hours. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know where all the other hours are going. Like, okay. It's, interesting. Uh, it's something I'm working on. Like I, <laughs> It's 26 hours is billable, obviously. So I don't bill for lunch. Uh, and, but I just developed such a like healthy, like I started working out again. So now it, it takes me like two hours because like I lunch and then I, I work out during lunch. That's great. Right. But then 
I also don't start work until like 9 30 10 but that's fine I mean how does it feel like having that flexibility in your schedule to because I imagine when you were in house it was pretty structured like eight to five five. or something nine to five okay so it's a big change I love it like I could probably never go back because yeah I I mean I love my sleep and I (laughs) I hated working out for most of my life and now that I found a workout that I like and I have like I, I like working out before lunch, Yeah. like all the other morning, I'm too tired, evening, I'm too tired. So like with a nine to five, I would never really be able to do that with one hour for lunch, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's been good for my mental health, but also I'm like, shouldn't I be working eight, 40 hours? Maybe it's just like a, like a nine to five mentality still in me Yeah. that I, that I should be working like th- at least 30, 35 billable hours. Cause I could be making way more money, but I'm like money's not every money's nice it's not everything though yeah exactly and I used to take Fridays off for my own like skill development and stuff and but I've just been overbooking myself for the past three months I don't know it's it's a I'm still learning you're still learning yeah totally it's a very big learning process um we'll get back to the episode in about 20 seconds but real quick if you're scared to freelance in fashion without a steady paycheck i want to show you exactly how to get a full list of clients so you can pay your bills and so you don't get your hopes up and then have to go right back to the fashion job you hate i share it all in my free limited time training how to freelance in fashion even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers get instant access at soheidi.com freelance we'll link it in the show notes all right now back to the episode How's it been like being out of the office for maybe like a social aspect? That's the thing that, you know, I kind of missed the social interactions. So it would be nice to be like three days at home and two days in office or somewhere else, at least. It it has been isolating, but also I've been able to be more flexible for my nine to five friends uh, so that I could Um, like get out early and meet them. For lunch some days or um you know make it you know like when when they're available so yeah. kind of make myself more available to social interactions with my friends yeah uh, but it has been I don't know I guess it's like the imposter syndrome of um like I feel like I'm not learning enough by being home all the time oh, okay. <laughs> like you know like I feel like I'm missing out sometimes and uh like I feel like sometimes I feel like I don't know enough to mm. it's just we all get that, you know, like, so you were doing like personal development Fridays that you said you kind of have your schedules gotten off kilter. So you're not there. The time isn't there for that, but what were you doing on those Fridays? Like what type of stuff were you doing? Yeah. So my plan is to actually start, um, offering collections to buy online on my, on a website. So kind of act like as a print studio would, um, just so that whenever, whenever I'm like not I can't take on a project. I can direct them to a couple of prints that would fit within their brief, you know, online and they would buy it for me. So the Fridays have been for like brand development and building a website, which, well, first of all, like starting collections, (laughs) let's just start there. And I think again, like it just got, you know, I got carried away and um, I kind of lost focus honestly, with the, my first collection, but I'm trying to get back into it. Uh, it's just the summer has been busy. Yeah. So yeah, Fridays, I would do collections or I would um, figure out my brand guidelines um, and just like 
way at it. Just chip away at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a learning curve for sure to go from like a structured nine to five to like figuring out your own schedule. Right. I mean, I love that you have the lunch workout thing sorted and you're like, this is the first time it feels actually good for me to work out. That's amazing to like take care of your health and your body in that way. I mean, that alone is a massive win. Um, and the other stuff will come with time. Like it'll fall into place. You'll figure out a groove. Right. And then maybe it changes six months later, but I love that you're at least like consciously thinking about like, how can I make this time work best for me as an, as a human being? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard since I'm always on call basically with the, uh, my clients, cause I work so much for them. It's, it's hard to like keep, uh, you know, I can't just be like one month. I'm like, Oh, I'm not working Fridays mm. and next month. Like, I feel like almost it's, it's kind of a call to be like, well, now my hours actually, actually I'm only working until three or actually I'm only taking calls after two when they have so many meetings and so many updates, but I know that I have to set my own boundaries too. right? Yeah, you do. I'm like, you said on call and I'm kind of like, wait, I'm sorry. What? You're not on call. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Let's talk about some boundaries. It's not unprofessional to set boundaries. It's professional to set boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I did set a boundary of I'm working with one client just uh, nine to three. Okay. That's when you're available. Yeah. But then I break my own rules sometimes when it's a lot of work. Okay. Okay. So, so that's all right. You're learning how to hold the boundary. Yeah. So yeah. it's um, I'm like on call per se, but I am like on their teams. So uh, what's called the Microsoft teams. Right. You're like on chat. Yeah. 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 So if there's like an update from a client, I would get chatted, you know, after 3 p.m. sometimes and I would answer. Okay. So I guess it. Um, Okay. So yeah, you need to like practice holding that boundary a little better, which is hard. It's really hard. You want to, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know. I imagine you're just like, I just want to do a really good job and I want to, I want to do a good job and I want to make everybody happy. Yeah. I'm definitely a people's pleaser and I have a hard time saying no to projects. So that's why the overbooking is an issue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're only booked 26 hours, not only, but 26 yeah, hours. But it's That's like, not crazy. It's not crazy, but it's like enough for me. Enough. Okay. Good. Good. You get to like make that choice. You're like 26 is enough. I don't really want to do 40. Although you're having some mental thoughts of like, oh, but should I be doing more? But that's a choice that you get to make. Yeah. Like I don't want to work 40 hours, but yeah. I guess I need to like raising rates would, would help with that you know yeah you said though you raised some rates can we talk about that a little bit yeah um yeah I promised myself that you know within the year after I started that I would reevaluate my rates and um I successfully raised uh my rate uh for one of the clients for you know an extra five dollars uh and it was you know I was kind of scared and um doubtful about about it but it was received very well and they're like yeah we love working with you you know like what do you need <laughs> you know so what did you say like t- I want to hear like the conversation what it- is this in person on the phone on zoom on email so I planned it to be an email I planned to send an, an email being like um, um you know at the end of the next pay period I'm um, raising my rates to this uh because you know I need to, I would like to focus, you know, more on providing a better service uh, and, you know, uh, they'll, I guess, give me time or 
Um, but then um, this this client all of a sudden, so they had someone leave and they needed a lot more work from me. So they reached out and I only was able to do like six to 10 hours with them, but they were like, we need you more for more than 15 hours a week. Okay. And that's when uh, this was through text. Uh, and that's when I was like, oh, well, you know, and I was planning to raise my rates in the month. Um, basically being like, if I'm to work, like basically like uh, to see if they still want me for that many hours after I raise my at the higher rate. Right. So yeah, and and she said, and, and and I told her like I I can do I can't do more than fifteen, but I'm raising my rates, and my my hours might free up because I'm raising rates for other clients too. Okay. You know what I mean, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could possibly will have more free hours for you. She was fine with it. So you, what did you bump it up? You said five dollars an hour. Yeah. So it was just. I mean, it sounds like it was really easy. Yeah, it was easier than I thought. I was like planning it for months. <laughs> yeah. And there's like one conversation and she's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you said something and I I want to point out because it feels it felt really strategic to me, but you were like, I'm raising the rate so that I can make sure I'm doing the best job possible for you. It wasn't like I'm raising the rates because I need more money. Like it was about them. You made the conversation and the reason for the rate raise about them, right? So I can deliver you the best product possible. Because at the end of the day, if you're working for lower rates, you need to take more hours, which is sometimes not just the physical hours, but like the mental space that it takes up, right? So if you can do a higher rate and fewer hours, like arguably you can do better work in those hours. So it yeah. sounds like you kind of positioned it that way. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, before raising my rates, I was thinking of that. that's how I approached the like the Fridays off as well okay uh, when I was like well I'm not I won't be working Fridays because I will be focusing on bettering my skills to later provide you a better service yeah and that's kind of like the same strategy I guess that I use okay so I didn't think you actually pitched the taking Fridays off did you actually pitch that to your clients and say I'm not working Fridays because da 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 I, I was gonna. Okay, <laughs> but I, you didn't. I just didn't. And then I just didn't. I, I was working, you know, I, I just made sure that I got all projects done by Thursday. Okay, so then you kind of just built it into your own schedule. Okay, but then you still have availability on Friday, like if someone messages you. Correct, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, I would encourage you to have that Friday conversation. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, I should. And when you position it, like, not because I want to work four days a week, but that like, I want to better my skills and focus on personal development. And that at the end of the day is going to help you. I mean, I would love to hear that from a freelancer and I'd be like, boom, do it. Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. It's very attractive to, to someone like who's hire the, the hiring person, right? The, the not a manager, right. But like to see the freelancer, freelancer being so proactive in themselves, it's very attractive. You don't see that a lot. Really? I mean, because it's it's kind of easy to just get into a comfort zone and yeah. not really just provide the same thing over and over again. I feel yeah. like it just it's not it just becomes less interesting for yourself too. You know, yeah. if you're not growing or yeah. building on on your skills. I would love for you to have that Friday conversation and follow up with me. Okay. Okay. We'll do. Cool. Maybe maybe after the summer ends and it's not okay. So all right. It's July 13th. So maybe like September, I'll give you like two and a half months. Is that the right math? Okay. Anyways, writing it down. September. Okay. September Friday's off. You have mentioned to me that you've gotten into some sticky situations before with brands asking you to do things that you didn't feel were very ethical. Would you be open to talking about that at all? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of um there's a lot of product that needs to go out and it's in these you know like 
manufacturers they work with a lot of brands at the same time you know so uh, I understand like the when you need to get a lot of designs out um, all of these companies manufacturers they sometimes use you know uh, pattern bank or shutterstock just you know get designs out um, this one-off the the only time I charged the flat rate uh, was I had to design 30, 33 beach towels within two weeks oh wow um, for kids and it's like super urgent project and uh, I, I was like I, I just can't like I have to rely on Shutterstock, you know, but they, so the, with Shutterstock, they have a rule where you have to change it 30%, but okay. then there's no... That's so subjective. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So a lot of times um, Shutterstock gets used by so many people. So like I constantly see, you know, other people using the same exact mm-hmm. Shutterstock image um, and just not changing it. Mm-hmm. But then other times I would get... Um, inspiration uh for you know a bedding design and I try to stay away from copying it obviously but usually the inspiration is quite specific that comes in okay um so I try to stay away I just like look at it overall for mood and color and like the style and then I completely change the motifs and paint my own you know with painting your own original stuff it's it's a bit easier you but paint then, yeah, yeah yeah so I my, didn't realize actually, that yeah so actually my specialty is uh like hand-drawn original design oh mostly painting or just pa- any type of hand uh painting drawing pen uh digital too okay um I don't do much vector okay you know I don't do that many like geos or mostly okay. like florals medallions conversationals uh, yeah okay so you get the inspiration and then you try to like DIY it to make it like you said change motifs etc okay so keep going yeah but then I would you know this happened this happened maybe once or twice but I would send it back and they they would want they would give me feedback that they want it pretty much exactly the same as inspiration and the inspiration is is like it's not like an inspiration of like a photograph of a plant or something it's it's actual it's like artwork it's it's either an artist painting like a like a their painting or uh it's someone else's print print design so so they're basically it's basically like no just make it this but they're not like going back to that original artist to like buy the license or anything no no this was pulled from pinterest usually uh, and sometimes I'm just curious and I just, you know, reverse image search the picture mm-hmm. and I see that it's actually an, like a print studio that's selling it online, like for them. Oh but... boy. Oh boy. And they're right. basically like telling you, like, make it exactly this. Yeah. Yeah. But th- not in a way they're like, well, <laughs> in this, in the inspiration that we showed you, this flower, for example, is is like over here, and this is um, this colorway. So we want like they wouldn't just say just do it, you know. They'll they'll kind of be like, well, we want it. They use the color. they're very strategic with their language, but they're basically saying, yeah, okay. Yeah. So what do you do when that happens? So what I did was um, this happened recently, but 
I basically emailed back saying, um, oh, you know, uh, I was trying to stay away from the the swiper, the inspiration. Um, oh, swiper. For... I've never heard it called that. I like that. The swiper. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just wanted to stay away from it for copyright reasons. But if you, so I, I just need like a verbal, um, something out there, like some sort of paper trail that I did not, like this was their ask. This is not on me. So I was mm. like, I did not want to make this too close for copyright reasons. But if you need me to edit it like that, you know, I will. Please so, instruct me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as a freelancer, that's the, the good thing is like, most likely they're not going to go after you because they're going to have their Brand. own stuff on their end. So, yeah, it's like my name is not on it. Yeah. Um, and like, who's going to, no offense, no, you don't have anything to offer going after a big brand. They have money. They have something to offer. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's why I'm kind of just trying to move away. Like my next steps would just start saying no to projects that involve, involve Shutterstock just mm. because it's so, there's everyone uses it. And it's just mm. like, I see the same stuff all the time and uh, it's hard to rummage through so much irrelevant stuff on it mm-hmm. it's not very filtered mm-hmm. uh and it just I don't know it just hurts my soul like, like I I Shutterstock is great for specific things you know not for like high-end brands uh yeah. stuff you know? yeah I think I would like to move away from Shutterstock and just take on projects that involve completely original design that I could okay do. yeah um, I mean, I know pattern make has a certain like purchasing option. Like if you're going to manufacture more than X items, like you have to buy this different tier, which is more expensive. Um, and then you do like, and you can even buy, I think exclusivity through pattern bank, right. And you're like, okay, yeah. now you buy that print. Like that's your print. You own that. Nobody else technically owns that. But, um, so that that's like know. you, what, I don't know which tiers they pay for, you know? <laughs> Right. You're just getting the file. Okay. Right. So I was just, I guess I was just curious if like Shutterstock has any tiers where you can like genuinely pay to use the art as is like from a legitimate. Yeah. They, you, you do. You pay. Uh, right. But like, like when everyone is using it, it, it's, it becomes kind of, it just gets overused. Yeah. It's not that it's not ethical to use, obviously, you know, Shutterstock, but it's just, yeah. I mean, they, they, I don't think they actually, Actually, yeah, I don't think it is. I don't know how much they, you know, for which license. Here, okay, which license you're buying. Because the 30% rule, which I've heard many times over the years, um, specifically in relation to like prints and repeats, right? Um, You're applying that to like, if you pull just some inspiration off of Pinterest, you're supposed to change it 30%. The stuff, if you buy off Shutterstock is what you've bought it, depending, assuming you've bought on the right tier, you can just use it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it depends on the tier, obviously. Right. But the, the stuff that you just pull like off the internet, off Pinterest, like that's the inspiration that you're legally supposed to change 30%, which again is super subjective in order to then use something. Is that right? Uh, I don't think we have like a rule for Pinterest, but okay. I, I, I think 30%, that's that's not ethical because you're not even, yeah, with Shutterstock, you're buying it sort of, uh, but with Pinterest is just pulling something and it's, it's usually someone else's art. I don't think even 30% is enough. No, I mean, I totally agree. So 
ideally getting away from those types of projects, which you'll get figured out over time. It's more fun for me too. Totally. Yeah. Cause you get more like creative freedom and you get to create the art from scratch and yeah, that's amazing. All right. Anything else you'd like to share with people about your journey in freelancing? I mean, that just that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm still shocked every day that I'm actually doing it. Yeah, you are. You know, and I, I mean, I, I feel very lucky to have, you know, consistent clients and I guess I haven't hit the, the low end of freelancing of, of like having to hustle and pitch all the time looking forward to finessing the schedule finessing like my own <laughs> getting over my imposter syndrome and all that so <laughs> yeah uh, I think that's yeah I, I I was dreaming of it for like every time I was full-time and it's kind of crazy to to be doing it and you know earning way more money than I did full-time. Okay. So working 26 hours a week, you're earning way more than you were working full-time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you like, why are you still in shock? I mean, it's been about a year. I'm cu- very curious about that statement. I think especially in New York city, like mm-hmm. it's so like everyone has a full-time job and it's, it's almost like it, it was never that available as an idea for me. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that, you know, I just had the stigma of like, my my parents were like, well, freelancers don't make any money. Freelancers mm. have to hustle. I just like was, you know, it, just in general, I feel like freelancers get a bad rub being like, oh, they, you know, eat cup noodles mm-hmm. every day. Like they're starving. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's why I'm, I'm, I'm in Chicago because like I'm still getting over like, wow, this is like more people need to try this and, you know, actually do this because you're reclaiming especially with new york city it's it's a rat race and you, just reclaiming like my own time for workouts or my own time with friends feels like i'm reclaiming my life back from like the new york city rat race sort of yeah the nine to five and it's just like everyone is like oh you, i mean even talking with my friends it's like they're, they're like oh wow you're freelancing you know it's so fresh so. yeah what do your parents think now good way <laughs> They're, they're yeah. what? Sorry, cut out for a second. You're yeah, what? They're also shocked, and but they're very happy for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they were, you know, always supportive. But sure. when Skeptical. I said that I wanted to freelance, yeah, it was just like, well, why why would you want to? You have benefits and you have 401k. And yeah, like, I don't know. What are you doing about your benefits now? Because everybody asks about that. And I know there's various solutions, but I'm curious since you brought it up. Uh, yeah, so I just, because I mean, 401k, I should look back into that I mean I consolidated it but um I got lucky with uh my partner works a government job so he got a good health insurance that uh we could get as domestic partnership okay um so that yeah that helped a lot financially yeah um yeah I'm still you know early in the in the game for retirement and and so but I feel like I need to start now yeah I will tell you because I have, um, I mean, I've been working for myself in one way or another for oof, like almost 15 years, but um, I just have it as, as an auto draft. And like, you think you're going to miss the money, but you don't even know that it's not there. Yeah. Like funding, I fund my Roth IRA and also have a 401k that I just have set up for myself. But like, yeah, I just, the money goes in and like, once it's gone, yeah, automatically twice every two weeks. Um, Once it's gone, like you, you just don't miss it. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say it so lightly. Like, obviously everybody has a different situation with their financial finances. Right. And like, if money's yeah. tight, like money's tight, like I get that. But if you're comfortable, you will not miss that money. Yeah. If you're comfortable with the amount, it's not going to make a difference to you much, even if it's 
10 bucks or something like it yeah you know yeah it works over time and it totally makes sense I'm not here to bug you on your retirement but I'm just saying for <laughs> me like getting it set up on autopilot and then like I don't ever think about it and then there's just some peace of mind that like knows it's getting taken care of you'll get there I mean yeah I'm saving for a laptop right now so there you go so yeah lots of saving yeah um where can everybody find you online and connect with you and see all the awesome stuff you're doing uh i'm on instagram i don't have my website yet but it's at studious vecla and you'll um we'll put it in the show notes yeah yeah uh yeah i'm mostly instagram, instagram. really i'm on linkedin um Masha Karuzik. yep all right cool um and the last question what do you wish people would ask you about freelancing in fashion that they never do what you asked me about just the day-to-day okay uh, how how my day is going basically even though I I'm finessing that still but I don't think people are like I said like people mostly don't realize that this is a, a viable solution to just claiming your mental health and you know yeah. having time for yourself yeah. Uh, and yeah just like the stigma around that people don't I wish people asked me actually like how I spend my day and then they'll be like wow you have a, you know, you have time for yourself. You have, you know, yeah. you set your own schedule. That's, that's crazy that that works for you yeah. and you're not starving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That right. Works. And then you're not starving. Like I get up at nine 30 and I work out and do my lunch for two hours and I still work and I'm very comfortable. Yeah. It's amazing. Yep. I think that's, it's, I never get asked that. And they're like, okay, freelance. And then they just go away with their own uh, thoughts. Like, okay. <laughs> what that Probably. might look like oh she's freelancing she's gonna Oof. have to am I gonna have to spot her on lunch today <laughs> totally that's that's where people's heads go yeah. for sure I yeah that's very true am I gonna have to spot her on lunch today? um thank you for coming on and sharing your story and your success and the the journey that you've experienced in your first year congratulations it's amazing I'm really excited to have seen you grown and push yourself and gone out there for that rate increase and going out there soon for that Friday off. (laughs) You're doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Fashion Designers Get Paid podcast. If this episode inspired you in any way to get out of the mass-produced rat race and get your fashion career out of the hands of toxic corporate bosses, just like one of my students did, Alexandra, who makes more money in one day of freelancing than she did in two weeks at her old industry job, Yes, true story. I'd love to help you take control of your own destiny as a freelance fashion designer or TD, PD, pattern maker, etc. Get instant access to my free limited time training at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it up in the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Monday to help inspire you for or help you get through the week ahead. You got this. Me and my team are rooting for you.